Hey church, this is Andrew. We are trying something new this month. This is a podcast. I have no idea how often these are going to come out. It's kind of an experiment. We're just trying it and seeing if it works. But this month I took some time and sat down with Norm Long, who's been a member and elder and leader in this church for a long time, to hear about his recent trip to Washington, D.C., where he was inducted into the 4-H Hall of Fame. And so you're going to get to hear Norm talking about his experience, about how he got involved in 4-H uh, as a kid, about, about the work he did through Purdue Extension, about what the day itself was like. And so you'll hear that conversation in a little bit, but first I wanted to play a little clip from the induction ceremony itself so that you can hear the introduction that was made. And then following the conversation, I also have attached to this podcast uh, Norm's speech from the induction ceremony itself. So make sure you listen to the entire thing. Um, I do also want to remind you that this month in November, we have a special event coming up on November 13th. It's a Sunday following worship. We're going to have an all-church lunch and a conversation about the mission and vision of the church. The executive committee has been working hard on identifying the values that make up First Christian Church, and we want your input. We want to hear what you think about what it is we are saying about our church. And so join us on November 13th following worship and enjoy some lunch and some conversation and some visioning. But now uh, let's get to the conversation I had with Norm. Dr. Norman D. Long joined 4-H at age 10 and never quit. He remained active in Purdue Collegiate 4-H, served as a county extension agent, state 4-H faculty member, and executive secretary of the Indiana 4-H Foundation, while also serving as state extension specialist for Purdue 4-H in youth development. As 4-H Foundation director, he spearheaded initiatives to grow the financial assets by 150%. He focused much of his energy on building partnerships with community-based groups with the Department of Animal Sciences and between 4-H and FFA, vastly expanding participation in 4-H animal science projects. Norman was a peer reviewer on promotion teams for four sister institutions in the North Central region and was also active with NAE4HA as regional chair for public relations and actively participating in many annual meetings of the National Association. Norman says, I never knew as a child what I learned through my 4-H projects would be the very skills needed for a rewarding career. The Indiana 4-H program and Purdue University Extension Administration is thrilled to have nominated Dr. Norman D. Long for the National 4-H Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Norman. Well, let's begin. Uh, can you introduce yourself? What's your, what's your name and how long have you been at First Christian Church for? Well, my name is Norm Long, and Kay and I have been at First Christian Church since I came here as a freshman at Purdue in 1960. She came in 61 and uh, went to school here the four years, and we went away for a while, for about 10 years while I was a county agent in uh, Winnemac and Wabash and Valparaiso. I came back on the state staff in 72. I was here full-time and have been ever since then, so First Christian Church has been uh, my home. And... Uh, it's interesting how we got here in the first place. Uh, when I was a young man, I lived in Johnson County, the, the town of Franklin. I was just outside of Camp Atterbury, South Bay, Annapolis. And uh, a good friend of my grandparents, 
their daughter lived here in Lafayette. And she and her husband knew I came to Purdue. And so the first Sunday that I was at church, which in those days, people in West Lafayette picked up the Purdue students and brought us to church. So I came over with Russ and Martha Stivers a long time ago. I was in church, and uh, Bob and Mary Jean Brock came up to me and said, you ought to bring your mom and dad and come out to the house for lunch. So we went to lunch there, and that was the beginning of a lifelong involvement at First Christian Church. And, of course, Joe Wick was here then, you know, and he was a very charismatic person and well-known and well-thought-of. And First Christian Church was a big church then. 400 people was not uncommon for Sunday services and all kinds of activities going on. So it was an attraction for a student, and, you know, I was a disciples person in the beginning. So coming here was just natural for me. And I've stayed. Yeah, you've been here. I mean, I'm your fourth minister here. Yes. Not counting interims and mm-hmm, associate mm-hmm. ministers and right, all sorts of right. other folks. So. Yeah. And I've served on about every committee in the church at some point in time. I'm the chairman of the board four times. And, yep, had a lot of experiences, lots of memories. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I wanted to talk to you today because I you've been talking about this kind of honor you received from... Mm the National 4-H that you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what that experience was like. But before we get to the experience, let's go back in time. Uh, How did you get involved in 4-H in the first place? Well, you can begin in 4-H when you're age 10. And so when I turned 10 years old, understand I was a a very shy and uh, nerdy child, a little background, I think Andrew might be helpful here. My mother was an only child. Her mother died uh, when she was about 13 or 14 years old. She had no siblings, and her father remarried, and her stepmother was a midwife. So she was gone most of my mother's growing up. And so when my mother got married, she devoted her life to my dad and my brother and I. When I turned 10, they thought we should be involved in 4-H. And so dad bought me a steer calf to start 4-H and put me involved with the Nineveh Boys 4-H Club. Now, Nineveh is the site of the Hoosier basketball movie. If you saw the movie in Indiana Hoosiers, it was filmed in my high school in Nineveh, which is on the west edge of Camp Atterbury. And uh, got involved with 4-H and started doing that. Well, the interesting thing was, when I was young, I was ill a lot. And so my first year, I wasn't able to show it to fair, so somebody showed to steer. And then the next year, uh, Dad and Mother bought three heifers. And we started a, a pulled Hereford herd on our farm. And those three heifers we had calves from, and from that grew the 4-H career. And I got involved in lots of other projects and was in 12 years. You could, in those days, you could be in until you were 21. So I was involved two years at Purdue as a 4-H member and also in the collegiate 4-H here. So that started me. And then when I graduated from Purdue, I was planning to go back and farm with my dad. Well... He had 153 acres, and there wasn't, a, wasn't an opportunity there. And even though I wanted to do it, it wasn't there. So I interviewed with uh, Dr. Paul Crooks at Purdue, became a county extension agent, which was close to 4-H, mm-hmm. and started my career in Winnemac in the summer of 1964 and was there until the fall, and then was moved from there to uh, Wabash to become the first 4-H agent they'd ever had. And I stayed there until 1967 and was moved to be an area extension agent in Valparaiso in uh, 1967 to 72, and in 72 I came to Purdue on the state staff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of education in between, had to have a master's degree and all that went with that, but yes. Yeah, well, and what, uh, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about 4-H, what kind of stuff does 4-H work with? Well, the 4-H stands for Head, Heart, Hands, and Health. 
And the 4-H program in the beginning was kind of a program for kids in the country to have some kind of a social interaction and learning by doing activity. You know, you could teach parents a lot by helping the children grow. Mm-hmm. And that was a, an essence of 4-H, which began in Indiana. I, there's a lot of questions, but about 1904 in Lebanon was one of the first clubs. But anyway, it's basically livestock animals and, and things related to the farm, gardening and, and cooking and sowing and that sort of thing to teach the basics of that. And if you could teach the kids, you could help the family. As time marched on, when uh, we were at Purdue in about, uh, oh, 1974 or so, along in there, uh, a man named Dr. Ed Fricky was hired on the state staff. And his challenge was to take 4-H to the city. And so he did. And they expanded it from probably 30 or 40 projects to probably 100 different things, all kinds of things, electronics and small projects and crafts and Lego and and just a whole variety of things. I mean, it's one thing, one thing you can think of was a 4-H project. Mm-hmm. And the 4-H enrollment boomed because of that, and it's growing well today. Today, <clears throat> here in Indiana, there's probably close to a quarter million kids involved in 4-H in some way. So it's, I mean, it, it sort of began as agriculture a little yes. bit more, and mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. include some engineering now, would you say? Oh, yeah, engineering. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, science, computers, Interaction things, all kind of, and now it's all electronic. You know, in my day, we used to do 4-H manuals. Mm-hmm. You fill out a 4-H manual. Now, I suspect I, have, you know, I've been retired 25 years, so it's changed a lot. But now it's done on computers and cell phones and in person. And yeah, you go to the county fair here in Tippecanoe County, you can see it at the fair. All the different things the kids make. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and is, I know you do a lot of judging at the fair. Is that through 4-H or is that? Well, actually, do 4-H a while. They want you to come back and evaluate the work of other people. And so Kay and I, she does more than I do, really. Uh, we judge a lot of uh, projects at fairs. Mine's been state fair, and hers has been a lot of county fairs. She does a lot of uh, clothing and fashion review and clothing instruction for a number of counties within two or three-hour drive of Lafayette. And then we both judge the state fair in different projects. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, now kind of fast-forwarding to this mm-hmm. this summer. What was it like when you, you found out you were selected for this <laughs> honor? Well, I had no idea this happened. It was a total surprise. Um, having been retired 25 years, I kind of lost touch with a lot of things, and most of the people I work with now have retired and gone their way, and many are deceased, in fact. And so one night I was sitting at the computer, and I got a note from my office mate of 18 years saying, hey, Rumi, that's great. Let's get together and chat. Was, this is really important, isn't it? I wrote back. I said, what are you talking about? He says, you don't know? I said, no what? Click. He hung up. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't... It was unnatural for him to do that, but I don't know what And within about four or five minutes, I got a second email from a coworker out in the field who's also a laureate this year. He said, congratulations, ain't it great, and uh, we're going to have fun together. I wrote back and said, Jeff, what are you talking about? He says, you haven't got a letter from Pam? I said, Pam who? Click. He hung <laughs> up. And I didn't know what it was all about. And, and, of course, at that point in time, with our road being closed, all the summer construction, we hadn't had mail for several days, and so two or three or four days passed, and sure enough, I got the official letter from Pam Van Horn saying you've been selected to the National Forge Hall of Fame as one of the 15 laureates this year. And uh, Jeff Holland, uh, each state can nominate one a year. And uh, Bob Ritchie knew about it because he had written me up, I found out later. He was the one who wrote the article and put it together and sent it in. And Jeff is uh, here in Indiana was the second one because he was nominated by the National Association of 4-H Agents because he's been heavily involved in that. So that's how Indiana got two this year. And ironically, uh, last year, Dr. Bob Ritchie, my office mate, was taken in, 
and Daryl Thomas was taken in two years ago. Uh, the two of them, same thing, Bob was written up by some of his peers here in the state, and Daryl was nominated by the National Foundation. There's no state in, in the United States that's had four people nominated in two consecutive years. And yeah. that has not happened. So, and Indiana's had seven in, in history of the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty strong state for 4-H. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I often thought about that. It'd be nice to be picked in that, but I never had the foggiest idea it happened, ever. In mm -hmm. fact, I'd kind of, after 25 years, you kind of lose hope of that ever happening and let it go. And then all of a sudden, there it was. Yeah. Big surprise. What was the day like when you were there? I, I watched the video, and um, but well, it was four days. It just kind of a blur. It's like a mountaintop experience. You walk up on the mountain, look over, and you see all this. And it's just why wow, I take it all in, and you leave and memorize it and think about it. We drove out, and so we got there on Thursday afternoon. We had a reception on Thursday afternoon for all the laureates and their spouses, and they kind of gave us an orientation what to expect, and gave us this packet of material I brought in here today for you, and. And told us that tomorrow uh, in the morning will become free. We were at the Gallaudet School for the Deaf, which is a university of deaf, about 2,000 students are in Washington. And it's a campus that I would say is about like a Rose Holman in size here. So in the morning of the, of the day, we were free to kind of wander around. And it's kind of interesting to try to communicate with somebody who can't hear. They can talk to you, but you yeah. can't make them understand you. So it has to be all sign language. And they taught us the sign language about like this. Like, that means, how are you, or something like that. Anyway, that's what we're supposed to use. Mm -hmm. And we did that and kind of fellowshiped on Friday morning. At 2 o'clock Friday afternoon, we had to be in line, ready to go. So it has line up at 1.30. And because it was it broadcast live this year for the first time, they had to wait till exactly 2 o'clock. And at 2 o'clock, they marched us in to the auditorium. There were probably 200 people in the auditorium. They were all standing up, cheering, and, and they were playing music, and there were lights going on. And it's like a Broadway... Uh, extravaganza and they had to sit in the front row all of us dressed up and and they did alphabetically call our names and we had uh, three minutes to go up and be recognized on stage with a, a plaque and pictures with the powers to be the, the special people that were honoring us and then we had three minutes to make an acceptance speech and they actually had a timer in front of us that uh, held cards up and if you weren't done they shut your microphone off like that but it didn't happen to any of us, but it was there for it's us. It's like the Academy Awards when mm -hmm. they start playing music and mm -hmm. wanting to move on. Yeah. And uh, that, that was, a, I, I think it lasted about an hour and 45 minutes. I'm not exactly sure because at the end of that, they had to stay for pictures with family and state representatives, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then after that, there was a, a formal meal for us there in the Gallaudet University. And that pretty much wrapped up the program uh, for all of us. We were free to go and do what we wanted. But uh, the state forest leader in Indiana, Casey Mull, had Indiana's delegation. There were about 20 people came from all around Indiana to see Jeff and I be accepted into it. He took us out for supper on Friday night, and we, again, celebrated and kind of relished and licked our wounds and looked at all this and said, wow, you know, can this all happen? How's it going? And et cetera. And then Saturday morning, we got up about 6 o'clock and drove back to Indiana. Yeah. Four days of blur and just a wonderful experience yeah. mountaintop yeah i thought it was kind of neat watching the <clears throat> the video of the ceremony too that they had they had some young people involved mm -hmm. uh, the yes. young woman uh, introducing folks and trying to i you know with any organization it's important to make sure that the generations connect and that there's yeah. not just uh -huh. history is not just to be lost but kind of passed on yeah the young gal that played the flute was really talented yeah really talented and she was a 4-h member from ohio 
and, and the gal that was the MC had been handpicked by Pam Van Horn and, and the committee to do the MC. And I, I guess from what I'm told that in the 20 years they've done this, that uh, this is something they always have. They have an outstanding 4-H member from somewhere in the United States come and be the MC, And the adults stay back in the background. And mm-hmm. the, there was probably 20 people behind the scenes that did the selection process and organization and put this stuff all together and had it for us, lined us up and got us ready to go. And the interesting thing is that uh, even though this was done in October, we had to have all the – we had to write a biography – um, a story about ourselves, an acceptance speech. Um, it was a fourth item. I don't know what it was now. And have it submitted by the 1st of July. Mm-hmm. And it had to be no more than 250 words or 300 words. And uh, it was hard to do that, cut it down. But that was all done ahead of time. And then I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think they put that on the website for people to see and have for the future. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is they sent it back to all the newspapers, but we haven't seen any newspaper here locally at all. Uh. Yeah, but that's probably media. Yeah. We'll have to give them a call. <laughs> this was a fun experience. I, it, it's something that I cherish. and want, Excuse me, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah, and to give so much of your life to something and then at the mm-hmm, end to be mm-hmm. recognized yeah, in yeah. such a powerful yeah. way. I, You know, it's a job that I didn't consider a job. It's something I enjoyed doing it. I mean, I, yes, I worked. Probably 40 hours a week, 45 hours, maybe 50 hours a week, Monday through Friday. But I was gone lots and lots of weekends on top of that. You know, you know we worked 8 to 5 here at campus. And then weekends, I'd be out with the volunteers. And one of my greatest uh, fun things was I got to know a lot of state fair board members. Um, I spent three weeks every year at state fair for 25 years, more than 25 years. And I knew a lot of state fair board members. There were about 20 of them. I knew probably 12 or 15 of them on a first-name basis as well as I know you, Andrew. And... It was a great experience. You work together all winter long and yeah. develop something and put it together and put it in writing and put it out with the children and then come to State Fair and see the fair come alive and go in place and close up and go away. And uh, it's it's uh, it's an experience you don't ever forget. Mm-hmm. I could write a book about some of the tales we had. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> and I mean, just the amount of work. I think the public sees mm-hmm. the fair during mm-hmm. the week of the fair. Lots of organization. Yeah. yeah. And some wonderful volunteers. Man, if it weren't for the volunteers, the program wouldn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. They're dedicated, really are. Well, is there um, just kind of wrapping up? Is there anything about 4-H that that you you would like people to know that maybe they don't know already? Or any? I know I I know it's true in my case. It, it takes a village to raise a person, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you heard me say in my my uh, acceptance speech that, that I that I. Uh, was so bashful out of high school, I couldn't leave silent prayer. And I really meant that. I mean, it was embarrassing. And one of my experiences, I think, is kind of interesting, is that when I first went to Winnemac, and when I first went to Winnemac, my first summer, I was supposed to go up there and follow uh, Bob Honnold around. Bob Honnold was a man about like you, Andrew. Uh, and he, uh, very, very bright. Uh, he had a stack pile. I don't even remember anything, but he could find anything. And... Turn this off. You might know it would be a phone call come in on recording. Anyway, I went to Winnemac in, in the summer of, of 1964 to learn to be a county extension agent by following around a real pro. And uh, he said, all you got to do is just go where I go and, and 
learn what I do. I said, fine, I see you do that. And so he had me read some things. And, and one night, he said, we're going to go to Madaryville, which is there on, on uh, 43 or, or, or 231, going north, and to a gymnasium for an adult leaders banquet. And there were about 200 people, I think, in the audience. And uh, walked in at night, and he was the MC. He said he'd be the MC, and I didn't think much about it. Walked in, he said, good evening, everybody, and I'm glad to have you here. And he went through all the rigmarole, and he said, before we get ready to get tonight, we, I want you to meet our new county extension. He'd come up here, Norm Long, and while Norm's up here, he's going to lead us in prayer. <laughs> and I had no clue that was going to happen, so I learned that. And then about 10 days later, he had me go to Rensselaer with another lady, and we did a live radio program. And I learned from that, you know, you'd be prepared. Yeah. And, and I've had all kinds of people, you know, he and, and Howard Dieselin at Purdue and Paul Crooks and Bob Frist and Ed Fricke and Maury Kramer and Bob Ritchie and Rex Warner and dozens of other people that uh, I learned things from each one of them to make me what I am today. Not that I'm anything special, but it takes a village to raise mm -hmm. a person. And in my case, it really was because I came out of a very, very limited background. Uh, if it were not for my mother, I would never have gone to college. Because mm -hmm. I had planned to graduate high school and go to work with Dad and farm on the farm. But she said, no, you need to go to college for a year. Dad and I want you to go to, to Purdue, and, and you go for a year. If you don't like it, you have to go back. Well, I went the year, and, of course, I liked it. And uh, met the 4-H program. And, of course, 4-H is part of my life. And, and I think 4-H is, you know, it says learning by doing. Well, if you do those things, you're going to learn something every mm -hmm. time you do it. And some great people are dedicated to the life and life skills that you pick up there that you you just need. Yeah. This world and makes you a better person. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the best way to learn something is just to have somebody force you to do it and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and hold your feet to the fire. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nineveh High School, we had 85 in high school, I was 18 in, in my class. And you come from there to Purdue University, which at that time was, I don't know, 18 or 20,000 people. I had never had any advanced course. I knew what chemistry was, I'd never written a theme. You know, didn't have any speech classes, none of that kind of thing, you know. And to come to Purdue was the learning experience. I mm -hmm. learned a lot at Purdue, you know, and that made me a better person than I was before. So, yeah, thank you for what I've gotten through. Yeah. And church, First Christian. I mean, First Christian has been wonderful for me. I have lots of good memories here, too. Yeah, we've given <laughs> you plenty of public speaking <laughs> opportunities, too. I try, yeah. yeah. Was there anything else you want to share about your experience? I don't know. There's something else that's of interest. I, what it might be, I... Lots of stories of extension work over the years, but, uh, you know, I guess I'd tell you, too, that our children, you know, we have four children that all of them were involved in 4-H. We spent, uh, Kay told me that we had spent 22 years with going to 4-H meetings with them, doing their thing. And each of them, in their own right, won the trip to National 4-H Club Congress, and it had nothing to do, because I did livestock, my job, and mm -hmm. they were not involved in livestock. They had all non-livestock projects, the exception of Carrie had cats and dogs, which was the same thing as beef and sheep and swine, horse and pony, and et cetera. And, and I think that they are, too, better because of the experience that Kay mm -hmm. and I induced them to be in 4-H like this and go forward. And interesting now that they are adults, all four of them are adults, and they have children. Uh, two of them have tried to get their kids in 4-H, and today it's not available like it was then. Huh. One's in Marietta, Georgia, and the Georgia program is done through the schools. And Chuck's program was in Sellersburg, Indiana, and their program just fell on, on bad times. Yeah. So, and the other two kids are still less than 10 years old. So we'll see what unfolds. Not of age yet. No, not of age yet. But uh. it's a great experience, and it's something available for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for, for trying honored. this out with me. This You're is welcome. A, I'm happy to do so. It's a fun experiment. We'll see how, yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Well, that's it for the inaugural First Christian Church podcast. I want to thank Norm Long for sitting down with me. It was so great to hear about how he was formed by 4-H and, and also how it helped form his leadership in the church. I will let you know that as we exit this podcast, there is going to be a recording of the speech that Norm gave that day when he accepted his induction into the 4-H Hall of Fame. So I recommend you hang around and listen to that. And just a reminder, November 13th after church, we're going to have an all-church lunch down in the Fellowship Hall to talk about the values and vision of the church. And so I hope you all have a good week. And if you want to drop me some feedback on whether or not you enjoyed this so we can know if it's something worth doing in the future, please let me know. We'll talk to you later. Head, heart, hands, and health. This honor and surprise came to me with a lot of suspense. First, a note from an old office roomie saying, he had some important 4-H business to talk about. Then within 15 minutes or so, a coworker wrote, hello, my friend. Congratulations. I'm so happy for all I can see. I had no idea what I was talking about. I had no clue. <laughs> As one might suspect, I was really wondering what both of them knew that I did not. It was the next day when that all-important letter arrived from Pam Horn, outlining this prestigious recognition. Wow, am I ever proud and humbled by this opportunity and privilege of being before you. My career path began in 1952, lasting now some 70 years. When I think about so many outstanding and noted predecessor professionals and 4-H pioneers who built and dedicated their lives to this unique and successful program, I could not but wonder how my name could have ever been nominated. And capping that thought, I'm further honored by my beloved coworker and laureate, Jeff Holland, along with my longtime life off, excuse, longtime office roommate, Dr. Bob Ritchie, and Daryl Thomas, both Indiana laureates in 2021. Two from Indiana in two consecutive years. What an incredible achievement. 4-H has molded my life as a guiding light. When I left high school, I could hardly lead silent prayer. Being with 4-H and the extension service <laughs> took a while, didn't it? I have lots of people who can verify that. And being with 4-H and the extension service changed me. It enabled me to help so many others in many, many categories. My growth as a college graduate has been immensely impacted by the 4-H path I've followed. I shudder to think what my life would have been had it not been for the 4-H village that developed me. Truly is for me a learning by doing path, effective career choice. Hence, I want to use this important moment to express my deep heartfelt appreciation to Dr. Bob Ritchie, Dr. Casey Mull, and those behind the scenes who labored and enabled my nomination to reach this pinnacle of recognition. I too want to express my gratitude and thanks to the many family members and friends who are here and on the internet. We're at home in support in recognition of this award. I am truly honored and humbled to be named by the National 4-H Hall of Fame Class of 2022 and be among these legendary 4-H leaders. All I can simply say is thank you. <laughs>